Well, very good. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to extend a very warm welcome to all of you. Thank you for taking some time today uh, to participate with us. And I am very, very pleased to introduce Mark Hohulin, who's the Senior Vice President of Healthcare Analytics at OSF, and Rupa Folger, Folger, sorry, Rupa, I knew I was going to do that, Executive Director of Data Delivery at OSF, who will be speaking on the topic, How One Pioneer ACO is Improving Healthcare Performance Through Analytics and Cultural Transformation. And before we get started, I want to acknowledge the analysts that are in the back of the room. So Susan, Chris, John, uh, if you want to raise your hand, and these are the folks that will help guide us uh, this afternoon. And so with that, let's go ahead and get started and like to uh, see if we can see the results of our initial poll session. And let me turn that over to the Alice in the back. Thank you, Kurt. So the, the question was, does your healthcare organization currently have an effective system for using data consistently? So let's go ahead and look at the results. And uh, Mark Rupa, looks like you have uh, your work cut out for you. 62% uh, said no. Very good. Without any further ado, let me turn things over to Mark. Can everybody hear me okay? Sound all right? Okay, thank you. Um, good afternoon. Um, look forward to uh, presenting and talking with you about um, kind of our cultural transformation and journey around data um, and analytics. I'm co-presenting with Rupa Folger, who's been a big part of our team in developing the technical side um, of our data warehouse and a lot of the analytical applications that we have across OSF. Um, just as uh, well, some background about our organization, for those that are not familiar. Um, we're located in Illinois, based in Peoria, Illinois. We're an 11-hospital integrated healthcare system. We have one hospital up in the UP of Michigan, but most all of them are all, all in Illinois. We have um, 224 locations, um, over 700 physicians, employees, probably around um, 16,000 or more employees across our marketplace. Um, just for relative size, just to give you an understanding, um, we're about $7.2 in gross charges as an organization annually, uh, about $2.3 in net revenue, and we serve about 700,000 patients across our marketplace. Those are unique individuals that we serve. Um, the population base itself is much larger than that. Um, we've been a pioneer ACO for four years, currently in our fourth year, and from a performance perspective, I can let you know the first two years, um, we were really within that 1% corridor for those that are familiar with that methodology and process. So there was um, really no shared savings or no payment back to CMS. The third year, our performance improved um, quite a bit and we were able to earn about $4.9 million in plan year three. Plan year four, we're in currently and um, we're you know still looking at the results of that. So some of what we'll talk about today um, relates to our transformation, how the ACO effort and work kind of came about as well and how we've supported that. Um, and so in just another frame of reference as well, um, we have about um, 180,000 covered lives that are under a value-based arrangement today. It's about 30% of our revenue, 25% of our patients that we serve. Um, we are also part of the Healthcare Transformation Task Force now, which is uh, really stated the goal of having 75% of our business or lives as part of a value-based arrangement by 2020. So big movement expected um, in our marketplace. 
which is what we have to be prepared for as well from an analytical perspective. Um, so that's kind of who we are. Um, give you some idea about um, how analytics began and we looked at how we can pursue clinical excellence and operational excellence. Um, one thing that we've been fortunate with, our leadership um, CEO on down has really identified that we have to develop an effective enterprise data warehouse and analytical capability to derive insights from the data that we have that will be key for our future success. And so with that in mind, um, we knew that we had to do analysis in search of clinical business insights needed to drive improvement. Um, and again, the leaders prioritized the analytics as a component of that strategic plan. Um, and part of our development of the plan really came through the strategic goals that were set by our leadership group. And through that, just to kind of, again, frame of reference, there were 11 hospitals that um, used to operate fairly independently as their own operating units, separate from the system's perspective. Over the last probably four to five years, aggressive move to become more of an operating company where we operate in the central central organization. Um, and basically, the term that we use now is one OSS. Everything we do is based upon an entire system. Each operating unit focuses on the healthcare system in total. So that's been a big change and a big part of our cultural change that we've been able to take advantage of as well. Because that's helped drive everyone in the organization to focus on total organizational improvement around clinical, financial, patient experience, employee experience um, across our organization. So that's been key. Part of that change too, we've been going through lots of transformations. One of those being analytics. Leadership put our analytics group at the front of transformations that are going across our organization. So we brought about five different groups, independent groups across OSF into one analytics division. And prior to that, we were somewhat called decision support, clinical decision support, uh, IT informatics, lots of ambulatory informatics, we had all of these different pockets. What we did is we brought those five to six groups together and basically rebranded ourselves to healthcare analytics. And that was two years ago. So that's part of our journey. Um, the thing that you know we experienced prior to doing some of this is we had some pain points that organizationally we realized that we had. We had difficulty finding effective systems for using data consistently. We had multiple locations, silos of data. Um, we previously had some unsuccessful EDW implementations. Um, and primarily those were driven probably without a business purpose or strategic intent, a little bit more from a technical or IT perspective. This is something we need to have just because it feels like we should do it, but it didn't have a lot of uh, ownership, accountability from leadership to make any difference. So ultimately, as the cultural change occurred across OSF, leadership recognized we needed to have clear, aligned data and a warehouse and analytics to support that. And so that's been a big change. Um, data overload, many of you have the same issue. Data is everywhere. We have a tremendous amount of data. Our organization um, has ethics as our EMR. We are highly integrated um, ethics organization from primary care to specialty groups to hospitals to home care, all post-acute, so we have ethics and a lot of data. Being a pioneer ACO, we also have now five years worth of claims data for 40,000 beneficiaries, and we have other payers 
claim data as well. So we have tremendous amount of data, which we knew we had to be able to organize and put into a data warehouse. Um, we had the inability to determine if we were measuring the right thing. So there was a, a huge effort by our chief strategy officer, our planning group, and our leadership to put together a focus around what should our organization focus on, the strategic goals and the measures that need to be looked at regularly to understand how we're performing. And Rupa will cover some of that um, in a little bit. And then we had difficulty creating that transparency and clinical excellence. Again, it was in pockets, it wasn't focused. Um, our culture of transformation has changed that quite a bit where um, we've made great improvements. So again, that's all helped us from a selfish standpoint, from a, from a analytics data warehousing perspective, it's helped us to be able to put investment and resources into those tools and the technology. Some of our approaches and results, um, again, from leadership on down, we wanted to deliver superior clinical outcomes for all of our patients. Um, we need to improve the patient experience across OSF. Again, going back to that one OSF team, patients go into any of our locations, any of our doctor's offices, any of our hospitals, they need to have the same exact experience. So that's another focus that we've had. Enhance the affordability, sustainability of services, provide more transparency of how we're performing, not only uh, financially, but also clinically, and try to bring that total cost of ownership, cost of care, into the forefront for clinicians and for leadership to understand. And then really drive that cultural shift through the organization to embrace becoming a data-empowered system. Um, so as we'll see in a little bit when we look at the executive dashboard, the leaders look at this regularly and everything's now cascading down to different service areas, different um, clinical focuses from the same purpose. We're all looking at measures. We're all looking at, looking at how we can be more accountable to, to improve performance. If you look at um, our approach, again, OSF needed to drive the cultural shift um, throughout the organization to embrace becoming a data-empowered organization. So are we making decisions off of data is the question. And oftentimes we were not. Until we started bringing, again, a lot of the, the strategic goals and the strategic measures into focus and making that accountability occur. So what we did with tools and transparency to engage leadership was really implemented the EDW with the help of Catalyst. Um, this late minding EDW to aggregate the clinical, the clinical, the claims, the financial, other data to create a consistent view of the ACO data. Um, so again, this has been a journey. This has happened you know, over four plus years and we're still growing. One thing that we've done through that process, um, and again, it's through the strategic goals and purpose, is kind of set out what do we need to integrate into the warehouse and kind of make it an iterative process, not a big bang, build this entire warehouse, have everything developed and get then do something with it. It was more of what are the things that we need to accomplish and achieve? What are the quick wins that we could develop as a team in analytics was probably the most important thing for us to do. Get some quick wins, get leadership to see the results so that investment support continues to grow. And that's one thing that we were able to do with this as well. Um, you know, an example of that, ACO data. Again, we had to bring in the claims data. Um, shortly thereafter, shortly after we started implementing the warehouse, um, we started bringing in millions of records of claims. And with that, we built analytical tools on top of that. Um, 
And when we brought the claims data in, we were able to merge that with our EMR information so we could see the patients, see who their doctors were, understand their risk scores, be able to transfer that information to the care managers and to the clinicians. Then we also had the ability to look at um, clinical integration, meaning where are those 40,000 people going for care? How much, how much of it's staying at OSF? How much of it is going to other non-OSF locations? And that was one big um, piece that we were able to provide to leadership to understand. In one year, as an example, we could see that $70 million worth of care was going on outside of OSF. So that visibility helped us to say, you know, from an enabling perspective, we can kind of shine the spotlight to leadership on this claim set of data to say, you know, if you just got 10% movement, that's $7 million, $7.2 million, 20% movement, $14 million. Even though we're in a value-based arrangement, we're still getting paid at fee-for-service levels. Also, we know that we cannot manage care if patients at another system, another hospital. And so we felt it was very important to bring those patients back into OSF, try to improve that care, improve so they don't have to come back into the hospital, they can be engaged with care managers and, and uh, primary care. But at the same time, when the care is being done, we're able to make sure that we're getting that dollar amount, not someone else. So that was a big quick win. And one of those things that we kind of said from an analytical perspective, we can enable this ability to see that information and then take action. That was very helpful for leadership. The other thing that we had to do was form and support improvement teams. So again, with leadership, some of the strategic goals and imperatives that came down clinically, these are the teams that need to focus on specific items, whether it's heart failure, whether it's supportive care, whether it's um, sepsis. And so with that um, kind of charge and clinical agenda, we're able to put together teams and then start working on what is the data sources that we're gonna need, what are the data elements, what's the analytics we have to put behind that information. So kind of been the approach, and as they said, it's been a iterative process. We've grown um, over the last four years quite a bit. We know we have more to do, but we've had a lot of success in those regards. One of the um, items that we'll be sharing shortly will be um, the executive dashboard. So but before we do that, and I turn it over to Rupa, I'm gonna ask that you take a look at this polling question and use your device again, and analysts maybe can help me out with this. On, on a scale of one to five, how would you rate your healthcare organization's ability to leverage data to make clinical and operational improvements? You can go ahead and enter those into your applications, your apps. We'll go ahead and give you a few moments to respond to that. Go ahead and show the results. Looks like 40% of you said you were, it was moderately effective, 32% uh, is somewhat effective, 19% very effective, 7% extremely effective, and 3% not at all. Back to you, Rupa. Not bad. Now that we had a runway build, uh, a data warehouse build that we're trying for us to fly out, uh, start deploying solutions. Um, data warehousing, when, when it's implemented, it's usually abstract. Most people cannot relate the data. Converting that to information should be the next immediate step that any organization should do, and that's what we did. Um, as Marv said, as 
we were defining, re-looking at our organization strategy, and we had a new chief strategy officer. The first thing that she did was, um, as part of looking at our whole uh, roadmap, she said, we need to have something that everybody could align to and look at. Uh, we needed a dashboard that the leadership, not only the leadership, but other staff can look at and look at our performance on our strategy. So um, as part of doing that, um, we had made sure that there were right people at the table and there were countless discussions on what are the right metrics. And having the business owners at the table was critical because you want them engaged early on. You want them to believe in the data that you're going to put out and, and that's what happened. And it helped our adoption. Uh, the next step is not overwhelm them with too much information as well. So finding the sweet spot and, and deploying a tool that's easy to use uh, that would give them the information that they need. We also have a, doesn't show in this screenshot, but we have red, red, yellow, green indicators. So they can look at it and they know how they're performing on those metrics. Um, they are drill, drillable to a certain level because it is for senior leadership. Um, they could look at the different operating units. They could look at um, all our goals. They could also look at trends to see are we trending towards the right direction. Um, and this dashboard is now used in most meetings, in cabinet meetings, in board meetings. Uh, they pull up and they, and they discuss um, and they ask questions and, and that's engagement and adoption. And, and it's difficult to drive initially, but, but once you get there, people just use that to change culture. And, and that's what happened at OSF. There are a couple of other projects that we did as well. Mark mentioned about the clinical agenda and aligning the deliverables that we do uh, to the, the goals that, that are derived from our strategy, from our roadmap. Uh, we've had um, a couple of solutions deployed. Uh, an example is, is care transitions. Care transitions, the goal of that, um, that project was to reduce readmissions in, in our acute care facilities. And um, when, when there was a council or committee put together, it had people from different um, uh, care teams. Uh, it, it had nursing, it had physicians, um, pharmacists, uh, with a clearly defined goal. And when IT was at the table, we were at the table as well. So when they were starting to define what are the processes that we need uh, to make sure that our patients that, that come to our facilities uh, get served. Uh, we were involved so that we, we could give the feedback, is it measurable or not measurable from a, from a, um, from a process standpoint. And, and being quick in deploying solutions. We, ha we, we use agile methodology. Uh, we make sure that we, we have a goal and then we engage with the business and, and make sure that we don't try to boil the ocean. We always try to um, you know, this is the goal, are we aligned with the goals in terms of the measures, coming back to our, um, to our purpose. One of the key uh, uh, takeaways and from, from lessons learned from our, from our experiences in working with these teams has been um, be prepared if they, if they rip it out. And you want them to do that, you want them to validate, you want them to trust the data. Uh, it, sometimes it could be like you want to pull your hair off, but, but it's good. It, it, no, it means that they're engaged and, and once, once they trust it, they're going to use it to drive action within the organization. And um, besides the exec that asked, which you saw a sample of, 
uh, which is our screen setup, um, the other dashboards that we put out are not just strategic, they're operational too. So now we focus on dashboards that are more operational that look at not just outcomes that the senior leadership are looking at, but also how are the different care teams performing and it can go down to a track level. Uh, that's, that's giving um, action back to the team because now they can use that critique back purposely. And, um, and getting the trust, I would say, is, is the most important piece out of this. It's been four years since we deployed uh, the Health Catalyst model of data warehouse. Um, and in, in fact, in uh, respect to value proposition, uh, the fact that we could have a data warehouse up and running in, in 90 days, get that runway ready. Um, don't try to boil the ocean, don't try to create this perfect and then get this good design, you'll not get them engaged. Um, we've got um, good cost avoidance dollars, nine to 12 million over three years. That's, that's underestimating, it, it, it's, it's probably more. Um, and just faster access to data um, and using that to drive clinical and operational excellence. Um, and when we engage, it's, it's multidisciplinary teams at the table that, that has helped shift and change culture. Some uh, facts uh, relating to our effectiveness. Um, by deploying solutions that not just show your performance and have some deliver, in some cases it goes down into the details, thereby um, it reduces uh, this churning of single dimensional reports, right? I want this report, I want that report. We've tried to eliminate that when you, when you deploy a solution. Um, also, um, there were a number of staff within the different entities basically doing hunting and gathering. Uh, we've been able to reduce that and refocus their efforts in, in analysis by, by taking on data provisioning activities. And uh, one example, I talked about the care transitions, um, able to, by, by giving them information at the detail level where they could actually act upon, uh, we've reduced 3% in, in defects within the organization and thereby have 9.4 million possible cost avoidance. That was a, a good success story for us. Um, and, and we've deployed dashboards around productivity, which they used to manually gather in Excel files. Uh, using some automated solutions to capture the data has also um, helped us in terms of driving change and culture within the organization. Some more slides on examples of projects that we did. Um, here's one heart failure program. This was uh, the first um, initiative within the organization that went across different uh, operating units, home care, medical group, um, acute care. And, and um, the Susan service line engaged with us. And by working with us and using data, they have been able to get 8% reduction in unspecified coding. 15% improvement of um, patient education best practices and also increase our five-day follow-up requirements. Just, that's just an example of uh, improvements that we've had. Another example is, is a Susan physician dashboard. 
the goal of this was to um, have physicians uh, take ownership in terms of quality and safety. And when we deployed this dashboard, every physician receiving service and they could see each other's performance. And they're, they're not used to this kind of a transparency, enabling the transparency. Within seven months, you could see every metric, 3% increase. And the metrics were more balanced. There was patient experience, there was uh, uh, adherence to medication, some quality safety, um, just um, available, uh, quickly available appointments access. And you could see that all these metrics went up just because they could see each other's data. And, and we also provided information down at the patient level just to get the trust, just to have them look at what was missing in terms of care for the patients that we served. Another good example is palliative care programs. Um, there's another breakout session that was, uh, that's tomorrow, we'll go into more detail. Uh, again, here we, we um, engaged and we had the business leadership at the table. Uh, it was a multidisciplinary team, again, with presence from uh, different units, home care, medical group, um, IT, analytics, and brainstorming through what are the processes, what do we need to provide so we can serve our patients. Um, and we had some really good um, successes come out, of, uh, come out of this as well. Data-empowered culture, uh, to get there, the foundation is transparency and collaboration. And, and thereby you would, you would accountability will, will automatically come because once you have the CEOs and you have the senior leadership aligned, it's, it's then it drives change across the organization. And making data transparent, engaging and listening, listening to them when, when they have questions and, and willing to um, you know, modify the look and feel of a dashboard or, or even change the operational definition of metrics if it doesn't align to the goals. I, I think that those are key things in terms of enabling the culture. And um, the fact that we, we, we are always aligned to our strategic goals, um, whether it's quality metrics or financial, ha has, has made sure that, that we are successful in the solutions that we've deployed. Um, and stakeholders throughout the organization see the value and clinical impact of the quality improvements. Future plans, um, continue to expand the solutions that analytic solutions that, that we have. Um, we have now, uh, two, two years back, uh, there's a there was an initiative within the organization to have portfolio management aligned to our strategic goals. So we are aligning ourselves to, the, to portfolio management, which is what are the projects that need to happen within the organization and which of those projects need measurement. So we make sure our resources, our scarce resources are effectively aligned. Um, continue to expand our uh, infrastructure capabilities as we grow in volume and data as people have more access to data, there's more demand. So being able to keep up with that demand, whether we are uh, ramping up our data warehouse capacity, 
to better storage our, our, our data warehouse appliance. Uh, we are also looking at uh, Hadoop as a, a infrastructure, looking at uh, data quality today. As they get engaged, they ask more questions and, and, and data quality questions and data profiling to enable our staff on that. Uh, we, will, we are going to expand on our technical capabilities as well. And then um, the feedback loop, all these insights from the data warehouse, feeding it back into the EMR. We're already doing it, but we'll be expanding on that and, and doing, doing more. lessons learned um, for us. And again, it's been a journey. Um, we still go down the path, but um, ensure executive leadership across the organization. That's key. Um, I think that's helped us be successful within analytics, um, to have that executive leadership support um, and engagement. Um, assemble project teams with the right technical capabilities has helped us tremendously, Rupa, and her skills and her team has been a tremendous asset to our organization, helping us to move further down the road. Um, and she's been able to engage the clinicians, leadership, you name it, to help understand the importance of the technical aspects. Having system-wide engagement uh, that's not just created kind of as a siloed IT project is really important. Again, the strategic intent, the objectives are of our organization drive what we're developing analytically. That's much better than saying it's from a techni technology side. Here's what we can do for you. It's working with the business and coming on down. Business plan and measurement set up front. Again, that's one thing that we've had success around. We've, al we've also had some areas for improvement, but we've had strong business clinical owners, leadership. We've had tremendous su success working through the process so that patients' care experiences have improved. Where we have not, we've hit to a point where the data is available, but we have no engagement, no action that follows. So that's a key thing is having that business plan and measurement set up front. And then, um, rapid implementation of the EDW with actionable insights to demonstrate value. Again, just a small win, but just saying focus on what the system objectives are or goals. Get some of those quick wins that build support, success for the organization, and then again, more investment within analytics. Um, so that's the, some of the lessons learned. I would say one thing that touched back on that Rupa ended with, one thing that we really need to do more of is improve that clinical decision support by tying um, the data that we have in our warehouse back into the EMR. We started doing it, as she referenced, but that's the key for the future, in my opinion. Getting the clinicians the information in the EMR, because that's where they live, and make it more actionable, because um, they don't want to navigate into a bunch of different applications. They just don't. That's what our culture, anyway, within our organization. So we know that we have to do a better job of trying to get everything back into the EMR, and that's part of our future as well. So with that, we'll take any questions that you may have. I think we finished a little bit early, which is fine. Test, test, there we go. Mark and Rupa, thank you so much for a great presentation. I'd ask the audience to give a great round of applause. Before we jump into uh, Q&A right away, I just wanted to go back to our analysts in the back to see if they had any insights that they could share based on your responses and based on uh, the information shared. So uh, Apollo, our applause analyst, has noted that the pain points mentioned resonated with the audience. 
and also the comments on performance improvement and cost information seem to resonate. And then looking at our, our session and summit poll, I'll just think you could click to this. So this is pretty much just going to confirm the obvious. And that's that those of you who rated the strength and quality and culture of quality improvement in your organization as being high also rate the healthcare organization's ability to leverage data as quite high. And that's not a truly amazing insight, but it confirms our ability. Thank you. Back to you, Kirk. Thank you. I want to thank everybody. We've got 26 very, very good questions, and unfortunately, we're not going to be able to get to all of them, but we'll get to them based on the way you voted. So what's interesting is the very first question uh, is, how are you dealing with the lag in claims data? It's always a challenge. Um, and that was one of the first things we experienced with the pioneer claims data that came in. And for those, any other pioneer ACOs in the room? or other ACO ranks as we were getting claims. Um, our first experience with that um, from CMS, probably the first six months we got files from them, the data layout, file format changed almost every single month. Um, and so our team really was pulling their hair out every time we figured out the first time how to do it, the next file came in and it had to be changed again. A lot of learning curves around that, ultimately it improved. Um, but the fact of the matter is it is still lagging. Um, and that's where you know, we can take, I guess, the golden nuggets that we get from the data in a lagging format and try to make it more transparent and actionable for our leadership. But then I think tying it and, and linking it with our EMR data, which helps us tremendously to kind of get past that, helps us provide, you know, the risk information on the patients, you know, the high utilizers on inpatient or the frequent visitors in the ED. So we're able to do a lot more with our internal data by just capitalizing on some of the signals from the claims data. I don't know if that's the best answer or not, but um, um, that's one thing that we were able to do with the lag. I, I can add more to it. Um, so yes, the claims is lagging, and, and we cannot drive too much clinical uh, improvements with that because we need it to be actionable by the clinician team. Um, what a chief clinical officer has had the, the care team and, and the frontline focus on is, is the data that's already available with us in the EMR. Because we feed the data back into our EMR, we just clarify, they know who are those high-risk patients. And they make sure um, there's the gap, gap the, the clinical gaps are met. There's BPAs that, that expire during our EMR. There's care gap reports on the page, and they know that a ACO patient is coming in, there's, there's a report that goes out um, for, for, the, for the nursing uh, staff to look at so that they can uh, look at the gaps and make sure the dose are addressed. So being more proactive has helped us. The claims data, we use it more for financial and utilization metrics and you know, CFP and GMS and things like that. And just to add to what Lynn was also saying, even having a financial understanding of how we're performing is not very clear with the lagging claims data. And getting a report so far behind from CMS can be very challenging. Um, to say today, you know how we're doing in primary care precisely, I can't tell you because again, the lag time, the methodology of how CMS calculates is lagging. So we just have to deal with it. You know, I was looking at the earlier presentation about the big audacious goal. Being part of the healthcare transformation task force is a big audacious goal our system has because that's huge change for us. Um, you know, that we know we have to get ready for, but it, by 2020, 75% of our business in that value base is kind of scary, actually, um, based upon how the claims come in, how we get 
information that's not really smooth today. We only hope that you can improve your bond a little bit and have a better experience. Beautiful. Thank you. Next question is, what data visualization tools do you use? I use um, Excel. Everybody loves Excel. It's from Excel <laughs> to uh, we have QuickBooth. We also have SAP, but we have Excel. Um, so it's mainly these three, from of course, SAS and the SPSS and R from Scalera modeling. Uh, in, in your for dashboards, we mostly deploy in QuickBooth. We also have Excel tools, which is Microsoft dashboard. Uh, which we are starting to reduce the usage of that. So we kind of go off what we have a BI kit building where three, for different purposes, different audiences, you choose and it kind of puts it in the best for that audience. Again, a lot of Excel still, a um, lot of business objects for permissions, and then more and more QuickBooth tools. And we have exchange, exchange is kind of Very good. Next question is, what specific findings from analytics contributed the most to your cost savings? Yeah, question. I mean, a lot of our clinical efforts, I think, are really providing some of the insight on how to improve the cost, um, reducing readmissions, um, reducing um, length of stay at the crib. So again, it's a little bit harder um, understanding about those cost improvements, but we know with working on, you know, trying to expand, improving the population health aspect, that's what we have to do. And we feel, we can see within every token our cost structure, um, that that's made a big improvement. We've had a, um, I think it's about a three to four year um, financial cost goal of removing $235 million from our system. And we're on a strong pace to do that um, in year two now. Um, so again, analytics is part of that. I'm not gonna say we take entire credit for that, but it provides having the ability to, uh, I guess, analyze and enable the information for our leaders and clinicians, it just help us remove a lot of cost. Very good, thank you. The next question is, how are you aggregating data from disparate EMR systems? Um, the senior, senior leadership made a conscious effort to making sure that most of our um, hospitals and, and other entities are on Epic. There are um, a couple of our hospitals on Megatech and CPSI. We bring in more the um, supported data, the financial data, not the clinical data, and um, because that, that gives the immediate bang for the buck, and they are all going to come on Epic soon, sooner or later within the next few years, so we are not going to focus our efforts. And most of these, are these other hospitals that are on uh, other EMRs are um, smaller size. Yeah, so the last five, four years, about uh, five partial reacquisitions or variations have become, they're really critical asset allocators. CPSI, Megatech, so we've taken a little bit more of a conservative approach of saying, let's wait till they get it put on Epic. Once they're on Epic, all my big logos are gonna last. We haven't gone after the other tools for quite a long time. Thank you. Uh, in your care transformation journey, did you restructure physician, physician compensation models? And if so, what are the key metrics there? Well, I'm not gonna be able to answer that off the top as far as the specific metrics. But I know within um, our work around accountable care, and we're actually doing a large care transformation effort right now with our primary care group, the physician compensation models are being changed. Um, and again, how aggressively and what specific metrics are critical for that? 
thing we could get some of that information for you after the fact if somebody wants to give me their business card. But I don't know the details of that. But we know it's important. It's going to drive accountability and ownership in this work. So that's definitely something that we're doing. Thank you. Next question is, how are you showing the results and value to frontline staff and providers? Um, so there's, there's a couple of ways. One would be leverage epics and by pushing data into epics, we're able to get to this. The other is um, epic, epic can interface to other um, BI tools. So we try to interface, we try to reduce the amount of clicks and outside of epic that the frontline caregivers have to go and that's, um, that's definitely helped. In some cases, we have automated PDFs that, that are shipped to physician to connect with physicians because some of them don't like print outs. Um, and that helps as well. Thank you. Next question is, what have been the main challenges in shifting culture to be more data empowered? Um, prioritization. We have a huge demand for analytics. Um, and so it's been a challenge just what do we resource and prioritize anything. And but thankfully, I guess, using our strategic goals and the priorities that have been set, as well as the clinical agenda, that's been tremendous for us because we have something to look at. So when we checks come in, we can first go to our strategic roadmap, our clinical agenda, and say, is it on either of those? And if it's not, we're able to say, you know what, that's a good idea, but we can't do that right now. We'll focus on these six particular things on our frontline resources. Next question is, how do you plan to send EDW data to the EMR, and how will the, the EMR actually consume and display that data? Okay. Um, as I said, uh, we, we haven't gone full-fledged in it. We just uh, started off on that. It's been a year and a half. Um, because we are an epic platform, we, we um, leverage some of the interfaces that they have, whether it's through their bridges interface and loading some of the um, claims data that we get from the final GPO. Um, to fill the missing gaps in the EMR, we do do that. Uh, the other thing that we just finished up is through data link. Um, to we, we would prefer Epic coming in and pulling in the data rather than us pushing it. So uh, there's nightly processes where the Epic data link feature comes in and pulls the data from the, from the data lab and then pushes it into Epic. The most recent one is, to reference this, that we have a predictive readmission model that we've developed in our um, warehouse that puts uh, predictive risk on every patient. And just as of the past two weeks, we've now been through data link pushing that back into Epic. So it's visual, it's the same as we seen on the patient or the clinician at the start. And so we think we'll be doing the same thing um, for more value added on those predictive risk models. Awesome. Unfortunately, we're down to time where we've got just one more question that we can, uh, we can share with the group. And this one is, uh, what are the trade-offs you experienced with a centralized analytics approach? Hmm. Okay, trade-offs. Um, Probably the operating units where yeah. they've had an analyst and they could ask the analyst to do anything that they wanted. With, with it being centralized, we align ourselves to uh, kind of what our goals are and some of the smaller um, things that, that they could just get done sooner I would say we're more, we're probably about 85, 90% centralized. We still have some of our larger operating units that have um, analysts have to 
capability to do some of the work. They didn't, did not come within our transformation into our group primarily because they do most of their plans development and they have beyond just analytics. <laughs> so we didn't feel like we could reach in and say, now you're part of analytics solely. So there's still some individuals out there, but that's probably um, some of the pain points we have still working through that. Um, understanding and then having facilities rely upon a central resource, not individual resources at the time. Very good. Before everyone takes off, I'm going to just ask uh, uh, for you to fill out or ask one more thing. And then if you would, please give one more great round of applause to Mark and Gabriel.